Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO 106.3. On the FM dial, it's Trent Condon, Ken Miller, and we're with you for the next couple of hours. We appreciate you spending some of that here uh, with us this morning. BMW of Des Moines guest list. We're going to be all over the place on a Wednesday today. We will start in about 25 minutes catching up with one of the local needle mover MLB teams, the St. Louis Cardinals. Our friend Brian Walton from the CardinalNation.com. Wainwright pitched too well not to factor in that decision last night. Boy, he's turning back the hands of time. At least uh, last night he did. He was terrific. Didn't get the win. Uh, but we will talk to Card- uh, the Cardinals with Brian Walton at about 10.25. Then college football and college sports with our friend Bill Bender from the Sporting News at 10.45. At 11.05, it's Wednesday. That means Cappy. David Kaplan from Chicago uh, will join us. Centurion Stone of Iowa, centurionstoneofiowa.com. Uh, we'll uh, join us. We'll do the Cubs. We had a win last night. We'll do the White Sox. We had a win last night. We'll do the Bears and Chicago sports with the Capman at 11.05. Bulls? Blackhawks? Yeah, a little bit. I think the Blackhawks are out. Are um, they out? I think so. I saw they were, what, five points behind something like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, a good story. No one expected them to be in the hunt right. this long. Um, but uh, they, I think, overachieved, but uh, starting to come back to the pack a little bit. And then uh, Matt Norlander from CBSSports.com, a lot on college basketball. Uh, and college basketball, I guess, is where we'll start, Trent, because we can't get away from the story as much as I would like to. Uh, but you know what? We're at that time of the calendar where it's all about killing segments. Mm-hmm. And C.J. Frederick and his uncle in the University of Iowa are uh, making that a little easier here today as... Um, C.J. Frederick's uncle has been compelled to respond to the um, tweet from the compliance department, to mm-hmm. the press release that was put out by the basketball program. What else did he have a problem with? Some of the rumors that were going on out there? Well, a, a two-part story here. So Joe Frederick, a while ago, earlier this morning, put out a post on Facebook mm-hmm. doing the things that you said, calling out. It has since been deleted. Oh, it has? Yeah. Well, he called him childish three different times. Yeah. Hey, Joe Frederick, you want to go down this road? Well, apparently not, because he's... He's, um, he's deleted it. Has he? That's not... Come uh-huh. on. You know why? Because Joe Frederick is a liar. I think he's caught with his pants down here and his thumb in his mouth, well, that's, and he is that's trying that's... to call out the University of Iowa, yeah. and he very quickly realized... That is not something you want to do. Joe Frederick was on Facebook many times over the past months. Mm-hmm. Help Wait, on weeks. its way. Help is on its way. Right. This is something that now, he has he didn't been go on about. to say because my nephew's coming, but he did say help mm-hmm. is on its way. And you can find him. Those tweets are those. So this Messages. is Facebook, yes. right? Yep. Those are out there. Those mm-hmm. are screenshotted. Yep. And this message that he has since deleted also is screenshotted, and people still have it. So this is what. Mr. Frederick had to say. This is CJ's uncle. How old a guy is he? Do you have any idea? By the looks he, of his picture, he's like, I don't know, late 30s, early 40s? I Older than that. Is he? Because okay. he played for Fran at Notre Dame. Oh, and, then it has to be older yeah, than that. Yeah, and yeah. so that Fran was there in the early 90s. Yeah, for sure he was. So I would say probably early, early 50s. Uh-huh. Assistant coach where CJ played high school, mm-hmm. ball. 
at Covington. So here it is. I want to thank everyone for texting regarding CJ entering the portal. I want you, my friends, to know there's been a lot said about many things, but I want to clear up 100%. No school ever tampered with CJ while he was at Iowa. I have clear communication with the staff at Iowa over rumors and how they were started. Hmm. I also was clear about concerns throughout the season. That's Bottom- interesting. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is we won't stoop to the level Iowa has shown CJ as he made a decision for himself. Their NCAA compliance tweets, t- childish. They're running CJ through the mud on social media, childish. Their press release, childish. And that was it. And that's what he posted? That's what he posted. And um, it's since deleted. And that was, what did he do? Oh, I see the timestamp. It's timestamped last night, actually. Oh, okay. So this came out, uh, this came out last night at uh, 20 minutes before midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see it until I got to work this morning, and I was on Twitter you know, plenty of time before that, and perhaps uh, no one had come across that. But once it did, it caught fire like you would expect, mm-hmm. and now it's Kentucky fan versus Hawkeye fan. And that in and of itself has been kind of like a tennis match going back and forth. You know, your neck's moving from one volley, uh, one insult to the other. Um, but you know what? If you're going to post that, have the balls to keep it up. I mean, yeah. you, you know, why, why delete it? Well, and if that's the truth, if that's what you believe, at least, at the very least, is the truth, why take it down? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Now, here's the only reason I could think to take it down. Um, and it's not a very good excuse, and I have no idea if, it's, if there's any validity to it. 20 minutes before midnight, maybe it had a couple. Yeah. And he woke up this morning and thought, you know, I, uh, I should probably, uh, now that I'm in this state of mind, probably Walk that was that a mistake. Yeah. 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 But that, but again, uh, he said those things. This is going to live forever. It's on the internet, and it's, uh, it's part of a bunch of articles at Barstool. It's everywhere. Facebooking while drunk is not a good thing. I have to have this conversation with my stepdad quite often. Do you? Yeah. All right. After a couple of cocktails. Daughter. <laughs> no, no. Thank God for that. Right. Not yet, at least. Have to say, all right. Enjoy your cocktails. Uh-huh. Enjoy perusing Facebook if you'd like. Don't post while doing that. No, Something agree. maybe the older generation, uh-huh. I think, needs to understand a little bit more. It's a bad look. And here's the part. I think we all believe C.J. Frederick is going to end up at Kentucky. Sure he is. They've contacted him, apparently. It's official. Yes. And that contact has been made. Mm-hmm. There was a Kentucky website that reported that yesterday. And, of course, everyone's shocked as that happened. But it's laughable. It, it is. We know how college basketball works. Trent, you that think this that is this first. is the first ever tampering case in oh, the history of college basketball? Well, and I mean, it's happened at the University of Iowa. Marcellus uh, Somerville. You remember that story? Briefly, yeah. Redshirt his first year at, with Alford. Came in in the class, I want to say with Pierre Pierce. And then very quickly moved to Bradley. Jim Les was there. He helped lead them to the NCAA tournament, upsetting Kansas. Really good team with Patrick O'Brien and company. But how did he get back home? Of course. How do they all? It's been they, happening for months. It, that's just it, Trent. It's, it's like, and I don't know if this is part Vitell who's stirring the pot a little bit. You would think that Dick Vitell has just discovered that that um, since this grant has been given to students, this ability to transfer once, that all of a sudden now tampering for the first time in the history of the sport uh, is rearing its head. This has happened forever, folks. You know that. We all know that. It's C.J. Frederick we're talking about. I mean, he's a good player. A good player. And a good player. And he would have had a, a health aside, had a big role on this year's upcoming team. 
what else is laughable here is C.J. Frederick was awful the last month, month and a half of the season. Mm-hmm. Injury is a big part of that, no I question. Believe. But not only was he bad out there defensively, as he seemingly always is, but he didn't want to shoot the ball. Well, yeah, and he was slow because, I mean, it was plantar fasciitis, mm-hmm. clearly. And he gained weight, and you could tell he was uh-huh. a little chunky out there, a little thicker than he had been. He was slow. He wasn't active because he couldn't physically right. be active. But to think that Kentucky, a program that doesn't care about SEC championships, doesn't care about Elite 8s or Sweet 16s, they care about national championships. Mm-hmm. And they're going to look at the Oregon tape and say, hey, that's the guy. You think Calipari's watching that tape and saying, watching the tournament as they're sitting at home, that's the guy we need to get us over the... Come on. No, but they need, the be... guy, they need the guy that played against North Carolina yeah. and played against Minnesota, but there were too few of those this year. Again, injuries played a big role in it. But to think there wasn't communication of course to there see was. the reason behind it, Absolutely. where he was. Which goes back to my theory from yesterday. Your theory maybe holds a little more water now. It's, I... just, it's ridiculous to think that the first contact with Kentucky happened. Just this week, Trent. Yes. Yeah, just this week. And, and for Joe Frederick to be saying these things now for months yeah. on social media right. that help is coming in Kentucky message boards and Kentucky groups to other Kentucky fans mm-hmm. saying these things. Oh, but we had no communication. No, where do Come you think, on. Where did Kentucky Sports Radio, whatever that account is, yeah. where did they get their information? From the caustic tweet from Joe, Joe Frederick. That's Amazing. exactly where it came from. We're connecting dots Absolutely. here. It's not difficult. And you know what? It, this is part on Iowa's fault, too. They know it's happens. Mm-hmm. They probably, done, of course, they've done it. Yeah, they've done it in their own right. But to play the victim in this, this is now the here and now for college basketball. You know, get with the program or get left behind. This is how college basketball is and college sports are going to be. Once you get this freebie that everybody does, that's the way it's done. You know, keep up or get left behind. I, I think it looks bad. It clearly looks bad on Frederick, but I think it looks bad on Iowa too. They just should have, you know, swallowed hard, moved on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, w- wished him well uh, in the press release um, for for his time at Iowa. But if you're lied to, if you're lied to in the face, and if that's if this yeah, played out, got to be bigger, man. You're an institution. You got to be bigger than that, though, Trent. I mean, this is a college kid who wants to go home, and he's getting bad advice from his uncle. I get the family aspect of it. I think you got to be bigger than that. But this is a guy that you are creating this environment with. This is the family environment. This is Fran McCaffrey, how he builds a program about this, about being up front and being part of this group. And we'll take arrows. We'll take shots from people. But we're going to do it as a group. Are you with us? And C.J. Frederick apparently Mm -hmm. Friday said, yeah. And then he lied and Mm -hmm. lied to his face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I take that a bad way. There's many things that I can overlook. There's a lot of things that you can let slide. But when people lie to your face, Mm -hmm. that's a tough one. And... I think for Ray McCaffrey, the know, knowing the way that he's built, I think that's a tough I, one for I, him to get past. I, I can't argue with that. I can't argue at that point. Same, he's a kid. Dude's 21. Right. All right. It's at a point. When do we officially get to say, all yeah. right, you can't be a liar. No, no. You can't lie to people's face. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's well before 21. I would hope. You would learn that lesson yes, long before that. That, that happens well, before. Well, Joe Frederick apparently hasn't learned it yet. He's, he's still, 50. Here's what, I want, here's what I want to know. I mean, the one line that, that, that kind of resonated with me uh, from um, his now-deleted statement was, and I was clear about concerns throughout the season. What does that mean? Injury, Injury concerns? I think that's what it is. Yeah. And if that was the case, wouldn't it be a lot easier from the Frederick camp to say that? To say there were some things that happened with the injury or injuries throughout his career that gave us pause. If you say something like that, I think it's very simple. 
Yeah. I think people certainly. Well, what step was back. their concern that they that they they you can't force them back into the right. line, and I don't think that's what it was. It was maybe minutes. Remember, he was sitting on the bench in the second half of that Oregon game. Uh-huh. He didn't come back into the game, right? Or the games that he was sitting out. Yet Connor, who had double hip surgery, didn't sit out any games. That could be maybe read that way too. There are many ways to yeah, go. Everybody's got a different threshold on pain. But but explain it. Explain it in that way instead of... Well, he shouldn't have done anything, done. Trent. He shouldn't have expl- had to explain anything. It, it's over. Like Both parties move on. Mm-hmm. CJ, you're gone. Iowa, you've said your piece. Let's move forward, right? CJ's no longer part of the Hawkeyes. Fill the scholarship, Franny. Let's go. Right. That's now, the way it should be. Right. And that needs to happen. Right, because it's happening at every other school in the country. The frustrating aspect is Iowa's coming off their best regular season, uh-huh. arguably, in 30 years. 30-plus years. Yeah, been a long time. The 2005-06 season was good. Regular season was mm-hmm. good. Ultimately, ended in the first round. But yeah. you can make the argument. They were ranked in the top 15 all year. Three versus 14. They were ranked in the top 10 most of the season. You're a number two seed. You got upset in the second round. Okay, that happens. But you had a great season. Now what are you doing to take that next step? To build on what you've done? And I, I understand that's where a lot of the frustration I hear from Hawkeye fans. And it's really... People are over the Oregon loss. Yeah, you would love to get that Sweet 16. I get that. But for the most part, it was a bad matchup for Iowa. It happens. Mm-hmm. You know, if they would have had the number two seed that Houston had, yeah. we might be having that a, pathway com- right. yeah, a completely different uh-huh. conversation. Uh-huh. It didn't happen. You lost in the round of 32. Okay. But now, what's next? What are you going to build upon? What is this going to be? And, then and I look- think that's part of it, Trent, because the highs that, that the regular season was, the way that it ended was a kick in the you-know-whats, and looking ahead into the future, knowing that this was our year, mm-hmm. this was our chance, and knowing that there's that that's probably not going to be there. And at a program like Iowa, the reality is, and the way that Fran builds his program, this is you're building for every three, four years to have that type of team, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You have that type of team. You did okay. So is that type of team being built right now? Are you on the threshold in another <sighs> two, three years? And you look at it right now, this roster. Keegan Murray, first-round draft pick, apparently, according to ESPN. In the 20s, yeah. First mock draft is out for 2022, and here he is. Just outside the lottery. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely. Remember what I told you belongs. What it was it, January? I told you I had heard that rumbling out there that he was on some NBA draft. And there he is. And even when, I told you, when I heard that, I kind of scoffed. Come on. Right. Come on. But then the season went on, and you could see, well, you know what? Well, and then you watch the NBA. It's the same thing that George Niang... Ten years ago, dude's not playing in the league. No. Not, not in that NBA, but in today's NBA, mm-hmm. he can. Same yeah. thing. Keegan Murray, ten years ago, that dude's not playing in the NBA. Today's NBA, yeah, he can. It is so different. Tyrese Halliburton, that dude who averaged 13 a game, he's not being a lottery selection. Today's NBA, he yeah. is. How different the game is and how it's evolved in the kind of players you look at. I think we have to re- kind of recalibrate the way we look at the NBA, too. No, no doubt about it. I think that's the hardest to transition from, to, to point to a kid that's a good basketball player that mm-hmm. automatically... I mean, Luca Garza. <laughs> Perfect right. example. Yeah, Luca Garza, he's going to be a star in 25 years ago, he would have been. Right, now, no. probably not even going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. All right, speaking of drafted, Draft Kings, you came up with, and I haven't seen this yet, uh, in anticipation for today's uh, taping of our television show that Trent and I do on Mediacom. Um, it's called Inside the Numbers. It has to do with sports wagering. I have not seen these. You've uh, spending some time on DraftKings, no shock. Um, found a portal for college football, and you actually 
You have odds to win the Big 12 and both of the Big 10 divisions that are already out? They are out. So you can bet, yeah, both conference winners to win the Big 12, Big 10 championship game is what that is. But uh, the one that intrigued me the most, Uh because these are out there, sometimes it's offshore, but you can at least find numbers. Because normally, didn't you last week find something uh, offshore that had not made its way to... Any of the license books? I think so, and I can't remember offhand what it was. I think so, too, was. but th- this kind of surprised me that this was out already, which is good. Uh, so where do you want to start? Well, let's go Big You're bi- going to put my feet to the fire here? Is that what we're going to do? I'm going to see what you can do. Let's go Big 12. Big 12, again, no divisions anymore, of course, right, just 10 right. teams. to win the, So the favorite to win the Big 12. Let's win clear the, the Oklahoma. Big 12. Win the game December 5th. That is scheduled. Oh, so this is for the championship? Yes. Oh. This is not a regular season. This is... What they consider the conference champion. Well, Oklahoma's the favorite. They are. Uh, here's the tricky one. Is Iowa State the second choice, or is it Texas, or is it maybe the Cowboys? Um, Iowa State's the second choice. They are the second choice. How about that? What's their What's their odds? Plus 250. Five to two? That's it? Five to two to what, bet what on. What are the Sooners? Minus 125. Okay. But... Plus two fifty. You can't bet that. <laughs> no, you can't. People will. Not, not saying that they can't be there and win at that yeah. price, but Iowa State is plus two fifty to win the Big Twelve championship. Wow, what a time we're living in. Ahead of Texas, who's right behind them, plus three fifty. Okay, seven to two, and then Oklahoma State. Yep, you got the order uh-huh. right, seven to one. And then it must get it gets a little tricky. Yeah. So let me try. And... You got the four top four pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Good job there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kansas is the longest shot for sure. <laughs> they are so then I can start one. filling in the gaps. Uh-huh. You know who I think is going to be better this year? Um, with the right to change my mind, uh-huh. West Virginia. All right, they are tied for the fifth choice. Okay, twenty-two to one. Okay, and it's. Um... I don't know. I don't know if TCU that. is it TCU also twenty-two okay. to one, K State twenty-eight to one, Baylor forty to one, also Texas Tech forty to one, and then Wade back to Kansas, Iowa State plus two fifty-five to two to win the Big Twelve championship. It's wild. It is Trent. Good for them. Uh, good for them. By the way, Steve Malchow. Do you know him? Did you ever meet him at all? I emailed with him a few times. You know what? Uh, really a good man. Yeah. And I didn't have a ton of dealings with him either. Um, I can tell by the response on Twitter uh, that he uh, that he certainly helped a lot of people in our profession along the way mm-hmm. with some of their needs. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, I've you met him, you've dealt with him a few times. Likewise, not to the extent that uh, a lot of folks that uh, were um, very sad to see him leave. But well, good on you, Steve Malchow, for a long career and ending the way it does. 40-plus years yeah, and retiring wow. and, and walking away. And walking away watching a pretty good Iowa State. Yeah, no doubt. So let's go to the Big Ten. All right, this is to win it all. Win to win the, it all. Win the championship. Win the but game. do you have divisions? Can you break them down after that? Yes. All right, this is fun. Buckeyes. Well, of course, they yeah. are overwhelming. I mean, it's it's overwhelming for... Ohio State, um, how much money do you have to lay? Minus 110. Not as much as I thought. Which I wouldn't be scared about laying. I wouldn't either. Now, I might wait until a little closer to the season starting, oh. but at that point, is everybody jumping on the Buckeyes? Yeah, I'm, absolutely. So the second choice would be a team from the Big Ten West, and I would guess it's the Badgers. You'd be wrong. Really? Both Michigan and Penn State are listed next, at both at 7-1. to one. Get, really? Get a tiebreaker, I guess, over Ohio State. Ohio State, worst case scenario, they go seven and two. 
I mean, that's well, worst then the case. the tiebreakers come into yeah, it. Yeah, and it goes, potentially. So those are next. Your fourth choice. Penn your, State and Michigan, you said? Yep, both 7-1. Michigan. Michigan won two football games last year. Your fourth choice. Your fourth choice is, is Wisconsin. It's from the Big Ten West. It's Wisconsin. They're uh, just down I-80 from us. Wow. The Iowa Hawkeyes are the fourth choice in the first team in the Big Ten West at 11-1. to Right behind them is Wisconsin at 12-1. to Then huh. Northwestern. At fourteen to one. Look, the Hawks. Uh, what did they win? Six last year. Six, six and two. Six and two last year. Secondaries all coming back. Linebackers are coming back. We're hearing some good reports about the defensive line. Offensive line will be good. They can run the football. Got a good tight end. A returning quarterback. Kicker? Question mark. Punter? Maybe the best in college football. Uh, okay, I can buy. Then you get a little deeper. Indiana sixteen to one. Okay, I would like that more than betting on either Penn State or I'd Michigan. Really, I'm a Tom Allen fan. At at that price, uh, the fight and flex twenty to one. <laughs> yeah. Our neighbors to the west, big red over uh, underpriced in my opinion, twenty to one. Yeah, see, they probably should be more than that, but because of that name, mm-hmm. and you get deeper. Illinois hundred to one. Purdue fifty to one. Who's the, what's what's the longest uh, biggest? It's price? Illinois. Is They're, it Illinois? Where's Rutgers? Rutgers is forty to one. People already believing in Chiano. Dude can coach. Can no, he? he can, Trent. There's no doubt. Look what he did last year. I mean, how many didn't they? Uh, no, they weren't 500. But weren't they flirting? They with were it for, yeah. for a little while. Yeah. I'm not sure what they finished up. Anyways, all right. Let's oh. finish with the Big Ten West. Oh, you, so you've got well, I was got to be favored since they're the favorite too. They are two but to one price. Okay. Also, Wisconsin though two to one. So yeah. they're both listed at the same price. And then the Gophers at uh, 350. No, eight to one. You can get jump. You can get the boaters. Northwestern's three to one though. So right behind them. Okay. So Iowa, Wisconsin, both two to one. Northwestern three to one. Then Minnesota and Nebraska both at eight to one. Purdue twenty to one. And Illinois twenty five to one. Hmm. To win the West, to play in the championship game. And I was the favorite. That one surprised me. No, Wisconsin was bad, especially for their uh-huh. standards. Uh huh. Don't you anticipate a bounce I do. back? I do. I do too. I do, too. I'm, I'm with you. Well, I uh, can't wait. <laughs> but we have to, unfortunately. But if you're a Cardinal fan, we don't have to wait too, too much longer. If you like to win money, you don't have to wait any longer because right now it's time for uh, to hit another $1,000 home run. Enter the keyword pay, P-A-Y, pay, at KXNO.com for your chance to win $1,000. That's pay. Simple. KXNO.com. Uh, what do they call it? A pop-up box? Yeah. yeah. Boom. There it is. Enter pay. Away you go. Hopefully you'll get paid for my heart for winning $1,000. Brian Walton on the Redbirds next. Bill Bender on college football. Miller in Condon till noon. 1460 KXNO and 106.7. For more information. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. All right, 10 Welcome back, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Let's talk to our friend Brian Walton, 
TheCardinalNation.com. If you're a Cardinal fan, TheCardinalNation.com. If you're a baseball fan, it's a good stop. Brian joins us, as he does every couple of weeks, to talk about those Redbirds and the division overall. Brian Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great, and I think it's appropriate that you have the long run playing as the entry music because the game, the season is 162 games, and we're just what 15 or 17 games in so far. Indeed, we are, and uh, watched the uh, over the couple of nights. Was it two nights ago, Trent? That the, the bats were on fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It was against Washington. And then, how about Wainwright uh, turning back the hands of time, seemingly as he did last night? Brian, ten strikeouts, got through the seventh inning, and it's not like he was, you know, he's, he's starting to show wear and tear after seven because. He struck out the side in his final inning of a, uh, uh, appearance last night. Uh, terrific to see him still be able to reach back and pull one of those out. It was not only important for Adam Wainwright, Ken, but I think it was important for the Cardinals team. Uh, you know what we've seen so far this season is not what we had expected from the Cardinals, and that is the starting pitching struggling. And so Jack Flaherty uh, the night before, and then Adam Wainwright last night pitching deep into the game not only put the Cardinals in a position where they could easily have won both games, but it also gives their bullpen a rest because, of course, the other side of the coin, when the starters don't go deep into the game, those guys in the pen get overused. They get put in situations where they're not you know, not necessarily comfortable and as proficient, and everything kind of starts to fall apart. And that's what we've seen from the Cardinals early on this season. The pitching just hasn't been there. How does Wainwright do it? At this point in your career, we've seen pitchers that have been able to evolve, but you watch him and you watch what he once was. It's absolutely incredible to see, Brian. It's a cliche, but it's baseball's a game of adjustments. And Wainwright will tell you that he constantly studies video. He constantly you know, evaluates how he's feeling, what he's throwing, how well he's throwing. And if you look at Adam Wainwright, the pitcher, he's different this week than the guy he was last year than the guy he was five years ago. And he continues to figure out a way without throwing, you know, above 91 or 92 ways to get big league hitters out. And over the years, he's relied more and more on his signature curveball, but he throws multiple curveballs. He's just the pro's pro. And at age 39, to see him continue to contribute, like I said, it's both huge for him personally, but also for the team that really needs it. You know, I want to stay on that uh, uh, train of thought with you there, Brian. Brian Walton, the Cardinal Nation, because it seems to me like Alex Reyes is also adapting into a different pitcher, right? I thought that this was going to be, you know, a guy that comes out, he's going to blow by at 100, 105, whatever. Well, maybe not 105, but you get my point. He'd, he would he would bring it up there. Now the strikeout numbers aren't what you would anticipate with him, but the results are. How has he changed? Well, Alex Reyes has always been a four-pitch pitcher. He has four pitches that are major league quality, average, or better. And yeah, his fastball is there. He's not 105 like Hicks, as you said, but he can get you know he can get it in the upper 90s when he wants. But he also was plagued by too many walks, and part of that is you know relying too much on the fastball and not being able to command it well. As Reyes has avoided the injuries and is throwing more innings, he's able to use his entire repertoire even as a reliever. And Alex will tell you, he said it all along, and he would say it today if he were on this call with us. He would say, I want to be a starting pitcher. I want to prove to the St. Louis Cardinals that I can be in the rotation. And that won't happen until later this year or or maybe next year. But I believe as long as Alex Reyes stays healthy, he will be in the St. Louis Cardinals rotation in 2022. So this year is more about how can we use him, the limited number of innings, they say 100 innings maximum from him this year. How do we get the maximum benefit from that? And right now that's closing games. Got Todd checking in with a question from Twitter. Big Cardinal fan asking about the rehab and potential return date for Miles Michaelis. 
Miles Michaelis has now thrown a couple of bullpen sessions, coach pitch pins, so they're not, you know, coach uh, pins, so they're not, they're not yet game action. But their hope, the hope is that Michaelis will move ahead toward game action before the alternate camp is supposed to close. And that's got about 10 more days to go. But there's no target date for him rejoining the rotation. But what we're going to see this coming weekend, maybe as soon as this coming weekend, is that Johan Oviedo is expected to get recalled from the alternate camp and the Cardinals would move to having a six-starter. Now, it's not a six-man rotation per se, but the Card- because of all the days off early in the season, the Cardinals have kept their starters, the five starters, but they've had five days between their starts because of the off days, and they want to continue that additional rest for the, you know, the Wainwrights and all who are going to have to pitch long for this season. So what should happen is Oviedo will slip into the rotation, and if he pitches well, when they're ready to go back to five guys, it could be John Gantt who his job, or maybe even Carlos Martinez, who you know should have a leg up on staying in the rotation, but is just so maddeningly inconsistent. You know, we talked about Wainwright drinking from the fountain of youth. His catcher is as well, Yadier Molina. Didn't see this type of start coming from him with the offensive numbers. I mean, we know what we're going to get defensively from him. Um, that that That's a given. But the offense has been there. What's behind that, do you think? I don't know, but whatever he's drinking, I sure want some. Uh, Yadier Molina leads the Cardinals in RBI, 12 RBI. He leads the team in on-base plus slugging. 978. And this is a guy who, you know, is hitting like, uh, you know, 26 year old, 28 year old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not going to continue for the whole season, but as long as it does, you know, he's going to play every day. And poor Andrew Kisner is, you know, going to be stuck on, you know, seven at bats or whatever he has for the year. And because, you know, no matter how good young Andrew Kisner is, he's not going to be uh, as good as Molina defensively. And right now, offensively either. Uh, Molina has moved, been moved up into, you know, the upper the parts of the lineup after uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt because they haven't really had anybody in that role. Now, Paul DeYoung, who had been the cleanup hitter, is now starting to come around as well. From the, in the power department, but from a batting average perspective, right. he's still under 200. So, you know, the Cardinals really need contributors beyond Goldschmidt and Arenado to compete this year. And right now, Molina's the guy stepping up. Matt Carpenter. Eesh. It's it just continually feels like it gets worse and worse and worse. Feel now bad he, for him. He got his third hit. He's batting 091. Mm. Spring training, he was two of 37. He is now five of 70 in 2021. <laughs> Yet he's out there in Schilt. Bats him at fifth at times. I I understand. All right. He's on the roster. You believe he can break out. But why are you putting him in the middle of the order? Well, it's the power of positive thinking, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's about what he's done in the past. But the reality is uh, that Tyler O'Neill, the left fielder, is scheduled to come off the injury list probably on Friday. He'll take his job back. That'll allow Tommy Edmond to go back to second base and Carpenter to go back to the bench. Because okay. I think the theme that none of us would disagree with is that Carpenter's just not the guy he was before, and he's not hes not shown enough that he should be a starting uh, player on a championship-quality team. Brian, what's the biggest surprise in, in, in the Central Division? Can you, well, I'm going to try and make the case for this. Might the Pirates be as big a surprise as anything? I mean, we thought the Cubs were going to have a down year. The Brewers and the Cardinals are going to you know, finish somewhere with 85 wins, somewhere in the hunt there. I guess Cincinnati's a big story. I just thought that... You know, the Pirates are just going to be awful. They're still not great, but they're better than awful, which I guess hey, is a they're, compliment. They're only a half game behind the Cardinals. Same record as the Cubs. So, yeah, I think the Pirates are the, the early surprise. But, you know, it's 16 games in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and we're at the point of the season where most of the teams in the division haven't even played one another yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, the Cardinals haven't 
haven't played the Pirates. They haven't played the uh, Cubs yet. So, you know, it's still too early to draw any conclusions. But, yeah, I mean, most people thought the Pirates are on their way to not just a 100-loss season, but maybe even 120 losses. And, and you know, they played credible baseball to date. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, we appreciate you coming on. What should we look for in the uh, in the week ahead? What is the uh, does the schedule uh, allow for some of those Cubs cards coming up? I haven't seen it. Uh, when did they play yeah, for the, the first uh, time? The, the, the Cardinals have a uh, seven-game home stretch ahead, but they're playing two games, two teams they've already played, and that's mm-hmm. uh, Cincinnati for three and the Phillies for four, and then they uh, they go on the road to Pittsburgh. So. Uh, you know the Cardinals have a chance. Certainly, Cincinnati's the first place team right now, so they're they're the mm-hmm. team to beat. And we saw the fireworks yes, we you know, did. when they played in Cincinnati. So you know there could be more uh, interesting things happening this coming weekend. Favorite in your mind right now in that to win the uh, division I, is the, right now. I think the Brewers are playing the best ball in in the division. Well, those two starters at yeah. the top of the rotation, unbelievable. Brian, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation dot com, thecardinalnation dot com. Thank you, Brian. Until next time. Indeed. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton uh, joining us as we talk a little Red Birds. Um, Wainwright was terrific. You're right about Matt Carpenter. They still have to pay him again next year. And a lot. And that's $17 million, I think. I think. Might Good be luck. more. It, when does it get to the point where you just outright him? Oof. Who's more lost in the batter's box? Him from the left side of the plate or Baez from the right? <sighs> Boy, he's a disaster he right is. now. She hit uh, he, uh, four strikeouts last night. Four? Four. Jesus. It wasn't even close. I saw he was... Uh, Just lost. The 13th time in Javi's career that he has had a four strikeout game. Is that a fact? Major league record, I want to say, is 27. He's halfway there. I'm getting close. Keep it up, Javi. That a boy. Unbelievable. I think he'd like that $160 million yeah, contract Yeah, his uh, agent and he would uh, like a redux there, would they not? He's still fun as hell to watch in the field, but man, you need something from him. But he swings out of his... I mean, he's just... When they connect, it's fun to watch, <laughs> right. right? But it's that same swing time after time after time. Uh, anyways, uh, we will switch gears. It's 1040 again. You still have time to text, uh, not text the keyword. Go to kxno.com and enter the keyword pay. Still have time to do that. kxno.com. The 10 o'clock hour is pay. It's 1040. Bill Bender is next. A more baseball conversation with David Kaplan at 1105. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KXNO 106. Way to sell your home. That isn't uh, jumping at the top of my. What is it? Ohio University. I wondered if it was. Well, our next guest should ask him. He would know. He stood for it, cheered for it. Uh, good stuff. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. You know that song, Bill Bender, do you not? Oh, yeah. I have a shirt my wife bought <laughs> me for our anniversary that says Stand Up and Cheer. Those are the lyrics. And uh, proud Ohio alum as always. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate you coming. Did your wife go there too? She went to Kent State, gotcha. so uh, we we have that rivalry on a. It's not that's not like a heated rivalry so much as Miami and Akron for us, but uh, every once in a while it pops up back and forth. Uh, Tuesday nights in November, love them. Bring them on a little snow falling, and maybe give us Wednesdays as well. Uh, she will be back. Well, Bill, uh, look at the Super League has given. Um, 
folks that write for a living, something to write about and, and try and tailor it to their sport. It certainly killed a lot of segments in sports talk radio as we inch our way to the NFL draft and wait for the return of college football. And you at the Sporting News, you came up with, I thought, a really good format as to how you would construct your Super League, and it was based on revenue, uh, previous records, rings, championships, etc., and draft picks, and you gave a point uh, score um, to to each of those four criteria to come up with your top 15. So let me ask you, Bill, it's no surprise Alabama, Ohio State, and LSU, and etc. are on top. What was the biggest surprise of the 15 that you came up with that uh, you, had you not done this exercise, you would have been surprised had they qualified? If I was making a list of 15 without doing all that formula work that we would have done, I think it would have been the same 15 schools. And the two hitches that people are really arguing about on it are, one, you know, why are all three Florida schools in there? Mm -hmm. Florida, Miami, and Florida State, it'd be cool to have them in the same league. Um, Why is Wisconsin not in there? And and here was my simple answer, and you guys will appreciate it in Iowa. I said, you know, Jim Harbaugh trends on Twitter when they lose. Paul Chris never trends on Twitter no matter what Wisconsin does. And that's a simple answer as to why Michigan, with all the revenue they draw, they're always going to be in this league, whether you like it or not. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. It's the reality and their brand, the pull that they have. Absolutely. One of the uh, conversations we had, and we, when Ken and I went through the exercise the other day, we just went with the 12 that was originally a part of it, made it maybe a little bit more difficult. I made the argument, though, if something like this would come to pass, and it's all about market share that Clemson wouldn't be the home run that a lot of people think just because of what they've done on the football field over the last eight years or so. They wouldn't be the home run. Small market, a public university, yes, but when you're talking about market share, you already have the South, you already have Georgia, you already have a Florida school, you already have Bama. Maybe they wouldn't fit in in a 12 or 15 when you look at it just on the financial aspect. Would that be crazy? You're not wrong. I mean, if we were doing this list in the 90s, Georgia Tech would be a better Super League bet than Clemson. And that's what attests to what Dabba's built down there. I always tell people, somebody who lived on the border of North Carolina and South Carolina, Clemson isn't even the biggest football program in the state. South Carolina is. And for them to do this and build this national championship superstore is arguably, in my opinion, the greatest success story in college football in the last 50 years. Yeah, I, I, I... Go ahead. Is it? I mean, what else, What other? K State, maybe. Yeah. Just for as far as far down as they were, but they don't win. They they have success or had success under Snyder. If they would have played for that championship, yeah. if they would have lost, I, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just trying to put another one on the into the equation. Oregon, maybe with the yeah forms, but Oregon hasn't won one. I right. mean, Clemson is in the national championship yeah. game or the playoff every year now, mm-hmm. and uh, it. They would be the one. They're kind of the unicorn program on that list. They're kind of, you know, what Miami was in the '80s and '90s with less flair. Um, and, and I think that's something to it. Now people were saying, "Well, why is Miami on that list?" Well, they still produce a ton of NFL talent at Miami, and they just haven't been able to get it to click to win a lot of games on the football field. And and that might change a little bit with Manny Diaz. You know, when this popped into my head because. Four years, Bill, we're the same age. We, we heard the same thing, but we don't remember Clemson when they won the national championship in the early 80s, mm-hmm. and they're a sleeping giant. And I just always scoffed at it. All right, a fun 
color combination with purple and orange, but this team's never going to be that good, and, and here they and are. a great entrance onto the field, right, too. Yeah, Howard's Rock and all yes. that, but always seemingly a disappointing program. And then you mentioned Georgia Tech, who, until recently, had won a national championship more recently. It's in Atlanta. Very good school. That goes hand-in-hand, hand, but... Could Georgia Tech be the team that gets back to the heights like Clemson has? Is that a program out there that hasn't been there, that maybe is a little bit off the radar that could get back, or is it just too much for a program like Georgia Tech? Well, I mean, Georgia Tech, uh, that that would be an interesting story if they could reemerge like that. I think out of the Big 12, I mean, you, we've talked about it a lot on your show, Iowa State's kind of risen. Kansas State's a good comparison to the kind of program that, when they had that heyday in the 90s with Michael Bishop and then later with the Darren Sproles teams, they were on that cusp mm-hmm. of a team that we were kind of talking about is would they win a national championship? And then you see them get into a Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State and they get smacked around a little bit, right? So um, those are the type of programs that would be interesting to see if we'd have another success story like that. And also under my formula, one of the big things that stood out was that USC barely got in this league and they were – Fairly in over Boise State. I saw that. And I could make a strong or- argument that Boise State, if they were in the Pac-12, they would be the second or third most recognizable football brand based on the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, who's the who's the uh, the football brand that, um, that when you see these lists, Bill, that you know, pops into your, well, they've got to be a part of it, yet they're nowhere near, uh, near it. To me... Yesterday when we were doing it, that's UCLA to me. And maybe it's just the uniforms. Maybe it's the their home venue uh, that has a little bit more cachet when you figure they play their games at the Rose Bowl, which is such a special, special, special place. Uh, who's the who's the brand, the program to you that you thought that wow they they should be better than this? That's a good that's a good choice, UCLA. I mean, obviously Tennessee is that sixth mm-hmm. SEC program on the list, and there's a but the gap between Tennessee and Auburn, which was Auburn was 12, I think the gap between those two programs is tremendous right now. It is. Where Auburn is just, you know, they've played for national championships. They've had a lot, and they're doing that in the shadow of the elephant in Alabama. <laughs> so, I mean, that's not easy to do, and they're still able to do that. So, I think Tennessee's one that's really fallen off. You know, Texas A&M wasn't anywhere near these ranks. Mm, that's a good which one. Which was uh, – Curious to me because I know they're typically pretty competitive, but I mean it's just another reminder that of all we can talk about whoever we want in the state of Texas, but and I know Baylor just won a national title in hoops, but that state's still driven by the big orange Longhorn. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a big one, no doubt. So this exercise, it's fun, and we do these exercises in the spring and the Silly summer season. Yeah, that's what it is, but the reality of it. We're talking about universities with longstanding connections, histories, and it's not just about football. These are universities, the the Big Ten connection, the Ivy League connection, on and on and on. Those are still important. In fact, financially more important even than football. Ultimately, is there any realistic scenario, 10, 20, 50 years down the line, that something like this actually would come to fruition? I would hope. I mean, I've always, and we've talked about it at length on you guys' show, and it kind of circles back to where we started, is at some point the the Power Five conferences could break off and do their own thing. And as a group of five commissioner, you're kind of playing the waiting game. Do you get an 18 playoff where you may or may not get in? They may come up with an 18 format that still keeps the group of five out. You just Mm -hmm. never know. And 
or you go do your own national championship, which I'm still kind of a proponent of. Me too. And then if you had a 64-team league with four super conferences or five conferences, I think it would heat up the playoff race a little more. It'd be a blast if we get to that point, and more football's good, <laughs> certainly in my book. So, Bill, when do you transition to all college football previewing conferences? I mean, getting ready, providing the folks that go to SportingNews.com, college football fans that you know that are, are waiting for the magazines to come out on the shelves, right. or when when will that happen at the Sporting News? Have you already started? I mean, right after the NFL draft, I'll yeah. probably be more you know, get back in my lane. But I know I've got a lot of NFL draft content coming. I'm working on a big board for the 2022 NFL draft now, which here's a spoiler alert. There's a bunch of Alabama and Ohio State guys on it. (laughs) And, uh, um, you know, we'll go from there. But, you know, enjoying what I've been doing, enjoyed the tournament, enjoy the – I like writing about the NFL draft too. And it was nice yesterday to do that Super League content because I was like, oh, yeah, this would be – totally exciting and i said this earlier like like i said the 15 teams on there had i done this blind those those would have been the 15 teams i probably would have picked yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to uh to argue any of the ones that got left out bill bill bender from the sporting news uh great stuff um when you're doing your exercise for 2022 um who for linderbaum uh, obviously going to be a part mm-hmm. of it. Anxious to see where you're going to have park Brees Hall because he's going to come out. Maybe Purdy, maybe Cole. Well, of course they are coming out, but Kohler might be Mike Rose. up on that list. Mike Rose. Taylor, the punter at Iowa, I think he's the best <laughs> in college football, but again, he's not a, anything until a fifth or sixth pick. So, Bill Bender, great stuff. We will look for it as we always do, sportingnews.com. Who's the third quarterback taken in this year's draft, Bill? I think it's going to be Justin Fields. I still do. I still think I would take him second. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to have a really interesting top ten with all those quarterbacks, and it's going to be a throwback to – I don't think they'll get to six like they did in 1983, but I'm pretty sure we'll get five first-rounders, maybe all in the top ten. No, I, I'm with you. So who will the last one be since Fields is three? Will it be Mac Jones or will it be Trey Lance? I think it's going to be Trey Lance. And he's the one most likely to fall because I just think – you guys know about him and I know about him, but they're – not playing in the FBS and not having that limelight, it just adds to that risk-reward factor. I think he'll be the fifth one. To Denver at nine? Yeah, you're, you sound like you're projecting what you want. <laughs> so, uh, I think, Ken, Ken, I can't speak it into existence for you, but it's certainly possible. Yeah, good stuff. Bill, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Bill Bender. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender from the Sporting News, sportingnews.com. Who do you like? You, it feels like you, wise? you like everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Well, that's that doesn't. I work. know. So, uh, so if I'm if I'm a well, if I am a Broncos fan, so if I'm going to p- make the pick for the so who's gone? Wilson is gone for sure. And two. you like Wilson? I do like. If you throw the ball a mile. Well, a lot of people can. I know, but that's that's the number one criteria for me. <laughs> I know. If you can hear the ball cutting through the air, that's my guy. Um, if Mac Jones is there at nine. I'd do cartwheels. If Trey Lance is there at nine, I'd be – or Justin Fields, Denver needs a quarterback. I know all of these quarterbacks statistically says they won't all work out. Mm-hmm. Half of them, maybe two of the five, will be busts. <sighs> but maybe not. Maybe they're all good. Who do you think is the bust? Do you think it's Mac Jones, don't you? I think Mac's – I think – I think there's going to be. A, I think Trey Lance is going to be a bust. Do you? I think Mac Jones is going to be terrible. I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be that good. Is Trey Lance Josh Allen? No. 
You don't think so? Not not those kind of physical tools. You have, have Josh Allen's freak. He's a big guy. He's a freak. Yeah, indeed. David Kaplan will join us next. Cub fans, Kimbrel, hair on fire, but got it done last night in the ninth. Cubs, White Sox, Bears with Cappy, Matt Norlander on college hoops in a half an hour. Miller and Condon until noon. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.